<laughs> Jeb, 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 what have you done to us here, Jeb? You, you're, you're causing... What have I, what have I done? Uh, you, well, what have you done this time, I guess, is really the question. What, what have I done today? <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't do it today. But so, so you are sort of on the record somewhat notoriously as, as finding the Airbus A380 to be a less than attractive airplane. I think fug, the exact word was fugly. Fugly, yeah, okay. Fugly. Now, Foxtrot Uniform Golf Lima Yankee. Now, we've been getting, the, and, and listeners have been giving us feedback, mostly in the forums, occasionally in an email, all right? And uh, people, and, and listeners have been expressing their own opinions about this, and that's cool. And some think it's also think it's less than attractive, and others think it's very attractive, and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Um well, apparently, so there was one email, and I, I, this is bad. I apologize to the listener involved here, but there was one listener who sent us, communicated to us somehow. Um, I can't recall now if it was an email or if it was a forum posting or whatever. Are, are you talking about Tony? Tony. I think it was Tony. That's the thing. I can't even find it. I've spent the last half hour searching for this message. I've looked at all my email, and I've looked in the forums, and I can't find it. But um, some Where listener, did you put it last? Possibly Tony. I don't know. Um commented on Jeb's opinion about the A380 and he hinted that uh, that maybe this was all a sort of a nationalistic thing sort of a national pride thing because almost in the same breath as we say the Airbus A380 is ugly we say the Boeing 787 is beautiful and so the Boeing is USA made and the Airbus is European made and he was saying that maybe that you know he's kind of like waving his wagon I can't his speak finger. for Jeb but I, I I honestly believe that this was a purely aesthetic decision well I think so uh -huh. too but see here's where it became uh, here's where it really got us got us jammed up a actually, little bit actually it wasn't a decision it was an opinion but yes yeah. is uh, that uh, um, so so Tony because we didn't directly reply to Tony, apologies, but we didn't. Uh, Tony then uh, uh, sent an email into uh, the Airplane Geeks podcast, one of our our companion, you know, fellow uh, aviation podcasts. A very good one, by the way. And uh, and he asked them what they thought about the A380, and that started a big conversation. And, I, and I, I confess, this is the latest episode, and I had not listened to it. And Jeff Ward pointed it out to us, and so I went and and listened to the particular part um, this afternoon, and. Uh, and it turns out that the air, the airplane geeks guys also have a mix of thinking it's either ugly or not ugly, you know. So I don't know what to say about this, you know. It's like, oh, well, I mean, what what needs to be said, uh, you know, know? Aside from aside from the, you know, we were slow on the uptake. It was the holidays. You think we were slow on that? Uh, you should have seen our Christmas shopping days. Uh, but I'm not sure what needs to be said. Uh, you know, the young man made a good point. Uh, point well taken, but that wasn't the basis of our uh, opinions. And Jeb and I both got to walk around it and see it fly. Well, both both those airplanes, the the, the A three eighty and the seven eight seven, about a year apart, if I remember correctly, maybe two at Oshkosh. Uh, got to see them up close in the air. No disputing, A three eighties, those puppies can fly. Uh, I was amazed at the maneuverability they demonstrated. Um, but it, it didn't make it pretty. It's not the it's not the most sleek airplane in the world. Jeb, are you still there? 
Oh, I'm still here. I was just waiting for you all to finish. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, which, so which right, we I've, hemmed and hawed and kind of covered our butts yeah. a little bit here. No, I figured it was, you know, uh, um, going to take his while, and it did. So uh, are you all finished? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying. Well, I'm let, me know, let, let, me, let me know. I'll be here. All I'm right. good. All right. No, go ahead, Jeb. Jeb, what do you think? Okay, well, uh, first of all, first of all, it has nothing to do whatsoever with nationalistic tendencies. Um, I think the Concorde is a very beautiful airplane. I think a lot of the de Havilland uh, uh, aircraft are very, very pretty. The, the de Havilland Dove, for example, or the Comet, uh, are very, very beautiful aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there are any number of French aircraft that are, that are attractive to me. Uh, the Airbus 380 is fugly. Um, can can you all right? So can you kind is, of explain is, is what short, elements? Yeah, go ahead. It, it is it is too short for its its um, other features, and we've we've talked about this a little bit in the past. If it had if it had you know a twenty foot plug put s- somewhere in it, maybe uh, uh, you know ten feet ahead of the wing and ten feet after the wing, um, I think it would be a much more aesthetically pleasing aircraft. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, the the seven four uh, for example. Um, the the seven four two hundred um, is to me um, not. It, it looks a little ungainly to me. Uh, you add the extended upper deck to the three hundred series, which was short lived, and it gets a little bit more ungainly. Then you go to the four hundred series and you put the um, the winglets on it with the extended upper deck, and I think there's some a couple of other small tweaks somewhere. That airplane tends to come out looking not bad. I won't say beautiful, but not bad. It's it's certainly not as fugly as the 380. You're sticking to your guns. You're right. Okay. You're the, just... <laughs> this, I, 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 my mind's made up, and, and, I, I, and I, I appreciate the attention. I appreciate um, um, the 787. Um, to me, is a much more aesthetically pleasing aircraft um, than the 380. Okay, let's 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 go back a bit. Uh-huh. Now, uh, let's also talk about uh, uh, Airbus. Other Airbuses. The 340 to me is a great looking airplane. Okay, um, the 330 is not a bad looking mm-hmm. airplane either. Uh, the 320, 319 series. I'm not it, it, just something about the way the tail is is on there, and and again, I think it's maybe a little too short for the for the diameter of the fuselage. But it the has a little bit of a fat Albert to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The 300 and the 310 are both, to me, you know, good looking airplanes. Um, so it's it's not an Airbus versus Boeing thing. It's not a um, uh, uh, Cessna versus Piper high wing low wing kind of thing. The airplane is fugly. Do you ever see a seven forty seven SP? Oh yeah, those are fugly too. Yeah, those are fugly little airplanes. First yeah, time I fr- saw one of those, it was parked next to a standard one hundred, uh-huh. and my head went boom. And, and, like, wow, and it's why fugly. Do, they do that. It's fugly for the same reasons. It's too fucking short. Yeah, <laughs> it made <laughs> made it go farther, but. This will be the this will be the F Troop uh, episode. <laughs> F Troop, okay, yeah, all right, all right. Well, all right, I think we've got that out of our system, uh, and uh, I don't know where we're going to go with it after this. But anyways, well, welcome, it, folks. It, you know, they, they but, might but again, want to treat it to a really good paint job. That might not hurt it. Well, it might not hurt it, and and I remember, you know, it, it was it, it was. Um, 2010 at Oshkosh, they had the 380 there on the on what was then the shell the Arrow Shell Square, <clears throat> and um, <laughs> yeah okay, <laughs> and um, uh, 
walked around it, looked at it from various angles, and you know, it's a well-made aircraft. It's it looks uh, like it can certainly do the job, but it also looks not all that attractive. Um, uh, if you put and, and I, I let's do the Pepsi challenge. If you put a seven eight seven right up next to uh, on the same ramp with a three eighty. And you can pick the livery, you can pick the carrier, you can pick the colors, whatever you want to do, okay? Put the two of them side by side, and nine times out of ten, I'll bet you the 7A is going to come out on top. And, and Patrick Smith tends to agree. You know, the, the, the writer on Salon.com, the, the uh, Ask the Pilot column, um, he, you know, not that he's the end-all and be-all of all this, but uh, you know, he, he, he would tend to agree that you know, the 380 is not the most attractive airplane out there. I don't know that he ever said fugly. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, there you go. All right, well, on that note then, F Troop, huh? Welcome, folks, to episode 267 of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Clear. You're going to be hearing a little bit of background noise throughout the day, but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really noise. good background noise. That's yeah, right. this, is, this is the best seat in the house. That's right. We got Skyriders now. We got Skyriders. We got Skyriders. Does that say UCAP? I can't. It's got a runway in the front yard. (laughs) (laughs) And you're on site, Clearland. Turkey's National Ground, good afternoon, sir. Taxi via Foxtrot and Delta. We're recording this episode on uh, Thursday. What is it? Thursday afternoon, January 5th, 2012. 2012. Happy New Year. It's the first episode of the new year. And uh, uh, it almost didn't come off, but that's another matter. It didn't? Oh, oh yeah. Well, we mean the recording, the episode. Yeah. Well, they almost every week is an adventure, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, joining me here in the virtual hangar are my two good friends. Uh, Dave Higgins out there talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Oh, fabulous. Just, you know, rolling into the new year like nobody would believe. Uh-huh. And uh, also with us is, uh, what's that? Is Jeb. Oh, man, okay. We've set the tone tonight. Jeb Burnside's there, too, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Jeb, how you doing? I'm fine as frog fur to continue the F-troop theme. Yeah. How about, uh, here's how we continue the F-troop theme. <laughs> here's how we continue the F-troop theme. Uh, it's been fucking cold down there, hasn't it? Well, I woke up this morning. As I said, there was there was some frozen frost on the girlfriend's car, and and uh, that was you know something of a bummer for her. She's is she know, a Florida South, native? She's a South Florida girl. She's not a native Floridian, um, but uh, she was you know freaking out a little bit, and and uh, uh, took a picture of her dashboard thermometer saying thirty three degrees. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so. Um, but it's looking outside right now. It's I think sixty-one. Yeah, it, it warmed up it easily. It easily got to the high sixties just on the uh, patio deck this afternoon, and the, the you know it's supposed to be the high you know upper seventies, maybe eighties by the weekend. So I'm not too stressed about it. Uh, I had to run the heat. Heat's still on. I'm gonna probably keep it on overnight and see what tomorrow brings. But mm. uh, you know, if that's the biggest problem I have, then you know, hey, you know, life's not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, David, how's the weather? Oh, wait a minute. Before I go any further, I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm, and I'm talking to you from the UCAP Winter HQ on the evergreen slopes of Garrison Hill in Dover, New Hampshire, where it got down to 7 degrees Fahrenheit the other day. I still have this Garrison Keeler flashback. When I guess do you do, huh? Okay. 7 degrees, guys. It got to be 7 degrees, all right? I'm coming to Florida. Is that Canadian? What's that in Canadian? <laughs> it's uh, 7 degrees. 7 degrees is like minus 10. Or if my, uh, that's a good question. Something like that. That's cold. It, it's yes, 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 yes. It's fruking cold. Frukin. I was going to say that's fugly cold. Fugly cold. Uh, David, what's the weather like out there in uh, in uh, Wichita? Uh, in January, like uh, I mean, it was in the fifties yesterday, and I think it got to you know maybe sixty today, and sunny, and that just means that when we run out of our uh, quota of these nice days. The next couple of weeks are going to be ketchup. Yeah. And not the Heinz kind. Now, you know, speaking of weather in Wichita, and, and this is not on the list, but uh, um, uh, from up here, it seems like there's another sort of storm raging in Wichita right now, and that has to do with uh, Boeing pulling their manufacturing out of Wichita. Well, uh, that's close to right. This is a big uh, Boeing, deal, isn't it? Boeing, Boeing's pulling the last re, the last semblance of its long-term presence here uh which dates back to about 1927 uh when Stearman when uh, uh Lloyd Stearman relocated his operation here and started to do work on trainers and was bought in 29 by Boeing uh as part of this conglomerate called American Air and Transport and Boeing's been here ever since mm-hmm uh, but Boeing already shed about 75, almost 80 percent of its presence here uh, when it spun off the commercial manufacturing uh, side of the street, uh, and that became Spirit Aerosystems several years ago. Right on the east side of the same or the east side of the same street, uh, they still had a presence under Bill of Boeing Military. Okay. Uh, they still did work on uh, mod- modifying and updating and repairing some military airplanes. They still serviced the two Air Force One uh, uh, articles that uh, were completed at that same facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were, well, the community was told by Boeing over the course of many years that if Boeing ever finally, ultimately won the military contract to build a new generation of aerial refueling tankers that the finishing work uh, would be done here. Mm-hmm. All that's out the window now. About, yeah. 20, about 2,100 jobs, uh, several million square feet of floor space under roof uh, in multiple buildings. I think that somebody said there were like 89 buildings on their property. Uh, and that's got to count little things like guard shacks. Uh, but they got a huge sprawling presence over there, and it's been getting uh, less and less work for, I don't know, the last four or five years uh, as uh, some long-term contracts matured and went away and fewer new ones of the same ilk were awarded. And uh, Boeing decided it's cheaper to move some of it to Texas and some of it to Oklahoma. Now, now you're not sounding as outraged about this as the uh, Kansas, uh, the Wichita leaders and Kansas leaders are sounding in the news that I'm hearing. Well, 
Uh, they're probably, pretty. They're pretty pissed off. To put, to put it. Well, frankly. they 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 are, and they've got they you know they've got a right to be uh, upset because uh, <laughs> because. Boeing is basically reneging on years of verbal promises yeah. and expectations raised. Uh, and uh, I look at this as just the simple fulfillment of the business philosophy the politicians that are upset now usually preach about other things that the government does, uh, how it should keep its hands off business and stay out of business's way and let it make its decisions to its best efficiency uh, until it's our hometown. And so, you know, I, I, I try to put a little balance into my own thinking that this is what the company's doing, exactly what these same politicians uh, preach all the time. Uh, and aside from the fact that, yeah, this is really a betrayal to have the politicians so busting their humps to try to help the, that contract happen. Uh, and we're not sure how much that really it was an, an influence in the contract being awarded to Boeing. Uh, with the idea that it, you, you can't be one way when this is everybody else and another way when it's you. And and look yourself in the eye and and, and say okay this, you know this is I, I'm right with the world. Yeah. Uh, I, I, plus, I think that there's some long-term potential for those facilities that uh, Boeing not being here will allow to happen. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, I don't think it's the end of Wichita, Kansas, not by a long shot. Hmm. Okay. Jeb, anything you want to add to that? No, I'm, I'm certain it's not the, the uh, end of uh, Wichita, Kansas, as we know it. And in fact, uh, as Dave correctly points out, um, um, the opportunities to, to use those facilities for something else uh, are, are probably very good ones and would, would behoove the city fathers and, and uh, um, uh, other interested parties in, in the uh, community there to try to take advantage of that. When, when life gives you uh, um, chicken, I can't say that word on the podcast, you've got to make chicken salad. See, okay. Um, before we move on, so David, the, it would seem, you know, hmm, how am I going to ask this question? The, the workforce in Wichita, uh, the, the skilled workforce in Wichita, are they uh -huh. uniquely skilled in building airplanes, or are they just very good metal workers and machinists? Or There's a little bit of all of the above in the answer. Uh -huh. uh, there are uh, some types of work done here where the expertise is higher than in almost any other place in the world. Uh, there are some areas of work done here where it's not unique to the area, but uh, they are one of a handful of places with actual experience in building large structures with, for example, composites. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, there aren't that many all-composite airplanes being built, period. Uh, and Raytheon Aircraft has a lot of experience in composites, not all that successfully applied at times, but lots of it. Spirit Aerosystems, the old Boeing Wichita commercial side, uh, they're building composite structures for Boeing 787. Uh, basically, they build everything forward of the, from the door, front door forward, and that includes shipping the cockpit section with all the flight deck hardware already installed. Right. So all I guess, the avionics and switches and throttle controls and yeah. all that stuff. So I guess it makes sense what you say, that it's more than just there being real estate available. There's a workforce available that has unique skills. And There's a workforce available with some uh, common skills and some unique skills and some really hard-to-find uh, uh, skills. Uh, and, you know, 
unless people start leaving town, and we haven't seen a lot of signs of that in the last three years, uh, you know, expect some of these jobs to come back. It, in the case of mowing military closing down here, that's not supposed to happen until the end of 2013. Now, it's known here locally, and it's a small sense of pride on its own, but Airbus Industries has two offices here employing about 300 design engineers, structures guys, uh, who work real-time with their counterparts in Europe over uh, uh, fiber optic lines using 3D design hardware and all that stuff. These guys are really well attuned to building things like wings and wing structures and uh, lift-enhancing devices uh, because the A380s went flying on one of their wings. Right. Uh, well... Uh, you know, Airbus the good-looking good wing. That's the wing. Yeah, the good-looking good, good, yeah, good part of the airplane's a wing. Uh, you know, there, there's no, 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 no. Know, the the French-made wing is not so good-looking. The American-made wing, though, is hot. <laughs> <laughs> but there, you know, this would be an opening for the city fathers to try to entice some work, hardware work, to come to uh, uh, to Wichita. Spirit Aerosystems, which, if memory serves me correct. Already does work for Airbus. Uh, does work, I believe, for Gulfstream. Oh, really? oh, I thought Spirit Aerosystems was exclusively a Boeing shop. No, 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 no. Uh. It was. It started exclusively a Boeing shop, but in the you know in the really common sensible management team here, headed by Wichita native Jeff Turner, uh, they wasted zero time working to diversify their workload, their client list. And have done pretty well at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's potential in other programs uh, for them to use some of that space across the street. Now, they're being really kind of, you know, well, we'll have to look at it. We don't have any plans right now. But Boeing's in the midst of ramping up 737 production to a level never seen before. Uh, I think the last time we saw production levels uh, uh, that beat these, they were building bombers and trainers in World War II. Uh, talking about forty plus airplanes a month. Well, a couple of forty. I'm sorry, back, back before, Je, Jeb, stand by, David. Forty airplanes. How often? A month. A month. Forty some odd entire seven thirty seven fuselages out the door onto rail cars and up to Renton That's every a lot. month. Jeb, go ahead. Well, I guess two, three questions here. One um, has Boeing said what they're going to do with. Uh, that production capability. Are they going to uh, do away with it? Do they not need it anymore? Are they going to transfer it to Renton? Are they going to transfer it overseas? Are they going to farm it out to Airbus? No, I think, what? David, David, you said it a minute ago. Where they, They're moving it someplace, right, David? They're, they're, splitting, they're splitting up what was being done, what was left being done at uh, the Boeing Wichita military side. Uh, that's some engineering work and some hardware work. The hardware work's going to Austin, I believe they said. Uh, maybe San Antonio. It's going to Texas. The engineering work is going to Boeing's existing facilities in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, so it's not so, going away. They're just shutting down this, right. this yeah. physical plant. Jeb, go ahead. The, the did did, Bo did Boeing have any production facilities in Wichita? No, no, not since they spun off the commercial operation we, to Spirit. How many jobs are we talking about? 2,160 was the number I saw this morning. 2,100 engineers? Basically. Well, no. 21, about 700 engineers and the rest supervisory and, uh, uh, you know, metal bending and, and working guys. Uh -huh. Okay. So I, I guess I'm confused. If there were metal working and bending guys involved, how does that jibe with not have, doing production? 
uh, it's all been special order stuff. Okay. Uh, for example, they they fitted out and finished the two Air Force One seven forty sevens. Okay. The airplanes were built in Everett, then and flown down here green and flown right. out finished. Right. So uh, so what what I'm he- hearing you saying is Bo- Boeing is basically absorbing this. They're they're not really they have existing facilities. Right. They're farming out the excess to that. Uh, and, yeah, but they're not farming out anything to you know uh, Taiwan or something. No, no. They're, they're, from the sound of it, it's all staying in house, and it's all staying in the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was going to be there was an expectation of finishing out what is it, 175 new tankers over a, a eight or ten year period, mm-hmm. where they would fly the six seven airframes down here green, and then the refueling hardware and the bladders and the boom and all that stuff would be retrofitted to the airplanes and then they would finish them out on the inside while they're here. Uh, <laughs> he said bladder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's pretty interesting, David. We'll, uh, um, it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. Anyways, we should kind of move along here. Um, let's see now. Uh, another bit of news in the uh, aviation world, um, and I'm looking at a story that's actually dated from back before Christmas, um, and that is that uh, there were reports that the folks from the Reno Air Races were about to announce that they do plan to hold the races in 2012. Uh, what's the latest on this? Are either of you following this? I, I, I don't... There was a press conference yesterday, I believe it was, um, where the um, the Reno Air Race Association, RARA, um, discussed their plans for the future. Uh, I'm not totally in on what happened during that press conference, I must say. I've seen some bits and blurbs. What I, what I glean from what I have seen is that um, the association has decided there will be an event next September, the September of 12. Exactly what it will be uh, is yet to be determined. It, it, they'd like to do a race, from what I can tell, um, but they're just not sure uh, if that's going to be able to come off. I don't know what the, the hang-up is. I don't know if the hang-up is, um, you know, they don't have the intestinal fortitude to have a race, which I doubt. Or is it a regulatory thing? Do they think the FAA is not going to cooperate? Or do the sponsors not going to participate? I don't know what the what the the hang up kind of thing is. Um, there will be some kind of event, even if it's just an air show as opposed to an air race. And I guess I, you know, and I think we talked about this in our in our uh, post Reno episode. Um, these kinds of of horrific events. And I don't mean to minimize the, 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 the death and injuries by any stretch of the imagination. But these kind of events occur in all kinds of spectator activities. Um, um, you know, pro wrestling perhaps, but, but certainly IndyCar racing and other, other automotive racing, boat racing. All kinds of, of spectator sports are innocent spectators uh, uh, hurt and, and killed. Um, I think it's to RARA's credit and to the industry and the community's credit that they're taking this very, very seriously. They're taking this this uh, this tragedy as, I wouldn't call it a wake-up call because I think everyone knows the dangers involved, but they're taking this as a serious 
challenge and they want to respond to it correctly. And if that's what some of the hesitation is about, then I'm then I'm kind of all for that. But if it's if, if it's a matter of you know, gee, we just don't know if we have the intestinal fortitude to do this, which again, I kind of really sort of doubt. Um, then it's a completely a little bit different matter. Obviously, you know, I think we all three hope that uh, you know the the race series returns. Um, if not this year, then then certainly in the very near future. Yeah. Uh, just FYI, so I just did a quick Google News search, and uh, a couple of stories dateline today apparently um, that talk about uh, that uh, Reno Air Racing Association is planning for races this year. This is a headline from. Um, KRNV uh, Channel 4 News in Reno. Well, oh, that was Mike Houghton's message yesterday at a press conference. Uh, I pulled up a little bit of the audio on it yesterday afternoon and uh, because I was intrigued by the makeup of the uh, blue ribbon panel that they've appointed to take a look at the race, how it's structured, how they've got the physical ground set up, uh, and to make recommendations on what might be done, if anything, to uh, uh, help avoid another tragedy like we had this past September. Uh, Jim Hall uh, is a former chairman of the NTSB. Uh, Nick Sabatini, a gentleman I happen to know, and I believe Jeb knows uh, personally, he's a former associate, associate administrator of aviation safety for the FAA, uh, also a pilot. Then John Sharp, who a lot of us are familiar with from his uh, record-setting work at, uh, at at Oshkosh and his uh, air racing record, uh, and he's uh, an aircraft engineer and designer, worked at the Lockheed Skunk Works, and is described as the winning winningest pilot in the history of air racing. And Steve Hinton, who a lot of us probably know best from seeing him on one of the uh, history or military channel shows about old airplanes because he's the president of the Planes of Fame Museum in Chino, California. Uh, he flies these warbirds. Uh, he does film work. So they got good expertise on the panel. Uh, they're setting dates. They're making plans, and they're starting the process of applying for the permits that are required, stuff that they had to do before. Uh, but they never had to apply for the p- permits before in the aftermath of uh, uh, an accident that killed spectators uh, and not just a pilot. And that's apt to change some of the permitting requirements, and whether they can meet all those, uh, only time will tell. Yeah, so uh, this is progress. This is good news. It's not definitive answer, but... Well, and and they're getting a hell of a lot of support from... The families of victims are getting a lot of support from the vendors who lost money because the you know the race was canceled. Uh, only a very small percentage of uh, uh, ticketed uh, spectators for the wrap-up days of the sh- of the races asked for refunds, which I think is is kind of a testament of support, uh, a sign of support. Uh, so yeah, there, it's it, it's a good sign. It's one foot taking a step in front of the other uh, all toward a goal of having everything if not everything resolved at least knowing uh, in time to uh, be able to decide whether to hold their pile and racing seminar in June because that's where guys who haven't raced before or who haven't raced in a couple of years uh, have to go uh, and spend a week learning the course, learning the the rules, learning the procedures, and then passing a check ride on racing at Reno before they get a paperwork that says they can come back in September. Yeah. 
Sounds good to me. Okay, that's good. That's that's uh, that's good progress, and uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, what's next here? Uh, New Year's aviation. So it's it's New Year's. See, I don't do New Year's resolutions. I don't know. I think it was Dave. You put this on the list. Uh, New Year's aviating resolutions. What are your top five wanna dos for 2012? Top five. We'll be here all night if we do top five. What, what's your top two? What are the two things you want to do this year that you haven't done in a while? Own an airplane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, fly at my old uh, average hours level. Uh, from the years when we owned an airplane, yeah, uh, yeah, which, mine would be some. Mine would be similar. I, I fly more, which I think is you know, it's kind of like fly more would be the aviation equivalent of lose weight as resolutions go. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so uh, fly more, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind doing. I started my tailwheel a while ago, and it got interrupted. Um, and uh, and I got a little taste of acro last summer, and uh, I wouldn't mind doing a little bit more of that. That would be kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, so there's two for me. Jeb, you got two? Uh, yeah, they involve uh, not so much flying uh, the airplane as, as just, you know, kind of improving it a little bit. Uh, there's some, some stuff I've been wanting to do the panel, um, mostly uh, cosmetic in nature. Um, there's a few other things that, you know, I just, I'm, I'm tired of looking at the way they are, and they've kind of sort of been that way for a while, so I want to change some of that around. Uh, I'll probably fly a little bit more this coming year, but not because, uh, well, because I, it looks like I'm going to have need to go a few places and and uh, uh, where I, you know, we might have just stayed at home and left the airplane in the hangar. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably get a little bit more flying in, but just to, to get out and, and uh, do some more practice, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, and I think I've got worked out the... Uh, um, Airplane and, and person to you know knock finally knock out my my uh, tail dragger endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe do a few other fun things. Yeah, okay. And just try to have fun with it. Um, I, I don't really I don't really plan on changing that much. All right, those are all written down. We'll come back in a year. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I cannot tell you how much I don't want to talk more about light squared and all this GPS foolishness. But David, can you give us sixty seconds on? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, go ahead. What's the latest? Because go ahead. Latest What's the latest? Is, latest is they were supposed to have a deal done by years in to be able to start executing a contract with a major cell phone carrier to use this new network. That didn't happen. The major potential partner gave them another thirty days. Uh, Light Squared has uh, said that they will spend the money for the point five percent of GPS receivers that they say. Uh, they still can't uh, block interference for. Uh, in the meantime, everybody else on the map still says putting terrestrial band use in the satellite band is a bad idea. End of story. Uh, they're threatening court action. They're kind of like threatening to, if I don't win, I'm going to sue. <laughs> and uh, the rest of us are kind of going, you know, uh, you guys changed the rules, not not the FCC. You you wanted to do something that wasn't really uh, prescribed by for for that bandwidth. You knew it wasn't for that bandwidth when you bought it, but you bought it thinking that well, like the like the guy that marries the girl from the prom and thinks that he'll straighten her out after the honeymoon. Wrong. And that's my yeah, sixty. Well, well, that was just well, foolish. That's, that's yeah. yeah. You're you're going to get mail on that, but <laughs> you need to direct your mail to, to, to Higdon. H i g d o n. Higdon. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Jeb. Anything you want to add to that? 
Um, oh, no, man. good. No, That's it, the good answer, right? They, it's, it's there really isn't. I mean, we I predicted this months ago that that you know they'll, they'll come out the other end of this with some different spectrum and it won't interfere with GPS. It'll you know maybe interfere with something else. But no, it's just much ado about nothing. Um, let me let me rephrase it. It's not much ado about nothing in that you know hammering GPS would be a really bad thing. But it's much ado that that anyone would would seriously think and rain and you know rent garments about you know uh, light speed hammering gps it, a lot of sturm and drang and a lot of a lot of water under the bridge and however many other metaphors you want to use but at the end of the day this is just your standard you know washington wall street stick-up job and by, by light speed and uh they'll they'll eventually get what they need and, and or want i should say and uh, it won't interfere with anybody but uh, no one I, I can't imagine anyone seriously in their heart of hearts contemplating well, the end of gps just so we could you know satisfy one little company's uh, problem so it, this is all kind of progressing as i kind of thought it would yeah yeah and i should point out to people that uh, you know, we all have our things about this story jebs is that he keeps calling it light speed but it's light squared he knows that thank you um, yeah, sorry. our apologies to the headset. Light speed, very, yeah, light, light speed makes a very good headset. Yes, like great headset. Yeah. That's that's why it's on my mind so much. Yeah, there you go. There so, you go. So to speak, on your on your mind. Uh, a little bit of uh, uh, podcast uh, administration stuff. Um, so uh, uh, I, I alluded to this earlier. I'm actually headed down to Florida next week sometime, and uh, dun, 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 dun. I know have the authorities been notified. Uh, Going to be hanging out with uh, they will be with Jeb at H- Hidden River for a while. And uh, one of the things that I'm going to be doing while I'm down there is that we're going to be attending the uh, the Sebring Sport. What is it called these days? The Sport Flying Expo. The uh, right here. Yeah, Light Sport ex- Sport Aviation Expo. The Sport Aviation Expo at Sebring, Florida's airport. There, next to the racetrack and next to the airport, and uh, going to have fun. It's going to be if it's like last year. I went for my first time last year, and it was a lot of fun. But the most important thing, perhaps, is that uh, Jeb and I are going to be having brunch on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. there in the uh, cafe that's part in the terminal building, and we're inviting anybody. We can't. We can't. Uh, What's that? We can't, we can't do that later. Yeah. We're inviting anybody within the sound of our voice to come by and join us. And uh, uh, we'd love to, to meet everybody and anybody. And I found out later today, this morning, um, that uh, Amy's going to probably make it as well. Cool. So, uh, so uh, Jeb and Amy and I, unfortunately, Dave won't be down there, um, at least not this year. I don't think I'll be with you. I'll be with you in spirit. In spirit, yeah. Um, but... Uh, but Jeb and Amy and I will be having brunch uh, on Saturday the 21st at 11 a.m. in the Terminal Building Cafe. Come on by and join us. We'd love to say hi. What's next? Um, We've got to move this along here because we are running on limited time this week. Um, what's the story with Rotax? This story's been on our list for, for a couple weeks now. Um, it makes it sound like Rotax is suddenly being judged a different way. The headline we've got here is Rotax joins the Big Boys Club. That was me. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm not sure if these were still going on when we started uncontrolled airspace back in the back in the uh, uh, the, the ancient year of the late what, 50s, 2006. Yeah, yeah. yeah. back when, uh, back when we were, you know, just a monoral podcast. <laughs> That's right, and uh, only twice a month. And uh, but we'd come out of a, a, a stretch of the 90s and the early part of the uh, 21st century, where first 
Lycoming and then Teledon Continental or Teledon Continental and then Lycoming both went through some major, major uh, uh, financial issues uh, supporting some airworthiness directives over their crankshafts. Uh, replacement crankshafts, uh, crankshafts and new production airplanes, uh, all to do with some changes in process. Uh, both of them, you know, there was a little spell there where my friends that flew Continental say, you flying one of those Lycomings? Oh, I'm glad I'm not flying one, uh, only for it to happen to them. Uh, well, now it's happened to Rotax. Mm-hmm. Rotax is, uh, uh, sub- there are some Rotax 912, 914 engines uh, that are subject to a crankshaft airworthiness directive from the FAA. Uh, and when I saw that, it, I kind of went, Wow. Uh, okay, let me let me let me bake your noodle here for a sec. Yeah, if you own a Rotax engine in an experimental aircraft or in an LSA, do you have to comply with the uh, with the AD? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Not know, on either. the experimental airworthiness one. Uh, airworthy airplane. I don't believe so. I don't think if so. If you yeah, have not a, a not light sport aircraft. If you have a light sport aircraft or you have one of the engines that's uh, uh, under the light sport approval, I believe you do. Okay. So um, is this a serious AD or is it just that because they've now fallen in a different category? No, it's, uh, it's, it's an AD based on some crankshaft problems that surfaced on some other engines. And uh, now they have to be inspected uh, and, and checked for... Uh, a, uh, a cracking problem, which was, if I remember right, was the crankshaft problems for TCM and Lycoming, too. Uh, crankshafts cracking, and when they break, they tend not to transmit as much power to the prop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny about that. They're not quite as quiet, either, I would imagine. So, Well, you know, it's well, funny. I've never they had are that are happen to me on an airplane, but I had it happen to me in a car once. And yeah. They are very quiet. Yeah, you're right. I actually, I, they, they probably get very quiet. You're right. I, um, okay, you hear, you well, that's hear kind this. of interesting. Go ahead, Jeb. No, you just hear this kind of, kind of heartbeat thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and trust me, between your ears, there is nothing noisier than an engine failure. Yeah, I can imagine that's right, true. Yeah. I can imagine that's true. Okay. Let's see now. Um I, you know, this story is from a while back, too. Let's see now. What's the date on this one? Uh, 1219. Again, it goes back about two weeks. Um, oh, the, the Wayback Machine. That's right. This is the uh, Politico website, politico.com, published a story back in uh, before the holidays uh, where they proposed a list of what they believed to be were candidates for the uh, administrator job. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know how, you know, what, what their authority is here. Adam Snyder, the authors are Adam Snyder and Burgess er- if, it, if it's Politico, they're pulling it out of a posterior region. Are they really? All right. Well, just for the heck of it, let me try out these names. Tell me if you guys know any of these people. Deborah Herzman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, a reasonable candidate? Yeah. Uh, the best yes. candidate? I don't know, but yeah. a reasonable uh, one? Yeah. Reasonable, if you, look at the, if you look at recent history for the FAA administrator slot, yeah, her background. Yeah. Her her she's a reasonable. What's her? Her, her back. Yeah, her, her immediate. I, I interviewed her at Oshkosh this last summer, um, and in fact, um, 
I, I, I don't recall if she, if she has a private or if uh, a student ticket, but she has taken some flying lessons. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, she, and, and she professes to, to thoroughly enjoy it. Um, she's, you know, a working mother with two kids and and uh, a I mean, marriage and you know all this other stuff so i i don't expect her to rush out real quick and get a and finish off her private but you know, given given recent history at at uh, at the FAA and and where the administrators have come from we could do a far worse than Debbie Hersman. Right. Now, uh, and just, I don't think we've said this out loud. She is the head of the NTSB right she's now. Chair, she's, she's the chair. chairperson. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's actually the, the title, in fact, by law is chairman, but yeah. she is the chairperson. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's and, one yeah. candidate listed here. You want to add anything quickly? Well, just a reminder the, um, the NTSB is a board of five. So the chairman is kind of the top administrator of the NTSB as well as the, the, the person that helps set the agenda at the board meeting. So, okay. Jeb, quickly. Um, no, I, I'm scrolling through the rest of these. Okay. Michael Huerta. Uh, Mike Huerta, he's, he's the acting right now. Okay, here. He would, he, he would uh, uh, make it. Dwayne Worth has a, a long-term affiliation. Um, yeah, it says on the third graph here. I don't think they're going to put another output type in. Um, uh, I don't know Bob Herbert. I probably should. Um, but uh, Overstar, God, I hope not. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hate to have to listen to Overstar for five years. Yeah, David, your thoughts on these four people? Well, uh, you know, if I if if I was to reach into my magic hat and pull out and and be forced to pull out one name that I would like to see get this job, uh. It wouldn't be all that tough. Uh, I would be picking out Dwayne Worth's name. Uh, Dwayne Worth was on the list to get this job before. Uh, he's got much the same background and much the same administrative experience that uh, Randy Babbitt had, uh, which means that it, he will likely be a tough sell in this political environment. Oh, he's the one who's the uh, Airline Pilots Association guy that Jeb right. thought might not be a good Right. I, don't, I just don't think he's going to be the follow-on. <clears throat> oh, it's not that you don't think he'd be a good choice. It's just you don't I, think. I, I don't think. I, I don't think he. I, I don't know Dwayne Worth that well. I know. Uh, I know of him. Um, I certainly don't know anything about him that would not make him a good administrator. But I just don't see anyone with a strong Alpa affiliation becoming the next administrator. Period. End of statement. Okay. All right. Moving on, let's see now. A uh, video of a C-130 uh, demo flight. I think I saw this one the other day. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. These, yeah. uh, so, some of the comments uh, are obviously from um, non-pilots, um, but you know the, the comments below the, the video. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else, uh, David? Have you seen this video? Anything you want to add to it? Well, I, I put it on the list, and uh, I, I copied the link to a couple of non-aviation friends of mine. And I said, I know how big a fan you guys are of you know the, the, the demonstrations, particularly the heavy iron demonstrations you see at the McConnell Open House and other big shows. Uh, so you ought to get a big kick out of this. And both of them picked up on something that I never expected. When the airplane is taxiing out and, and starting its takeoff run, both of them wanted to know what the hell it was the pilot was doing with that little round wheel over on the left side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, he's steering the nose wheel. Steering the nose wheel, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. right. Yeah, it doesn't use rudder pedals like we're used to. Uh, it uses a tiller. It's common on a lot of large aircraft. Yeah. Uh, but it was like... 
What a thing to pick out of the whole demonstration. Yeah. What was he doing over there? Yeah. The, the, were, these, were, these people, were these people pilots or just unfamiliar with the C-130 or, or transport category taxi? Well, one, one of them was a pilot uh, mm-hmm. and uh, has never been in the front seat of heavy iron. Right, right. Uh, okay. Never seen it. Uh, I, I remember sitting jump seat in an airplane the first time I saw it, and it's kind of like, wow, that'd be a... That cool. I might even be able to do that. It's a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's well, just like driving your your trooper, right? It's just right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I I like the video. It's the the um, captain speaking here is is working hard, and he's oh, he's yeah. doing a really great job of it all. And I especially appreciate, of course, I, I especially appreciate the shots of the FO, uh, the, the co-pilot, who's just literally along for the ride. The guy's like holding on with all hands and, <laughs> and you know, uh, it was mommy, mommy. But he, he's, 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 he's making call outs and he's, he's helping yeah, the operation, yeah, but yeah. the, the, the ca- captain is working his butt off. And first of all, you know, you, I, I guess you have to to, to, to horse a C one thirty around like that, and, and with with such precision and, and airspeed control and everything else. Um, but j- the juxtaposition of the the kind of graceful and and uh, certainly uh, high performance for that category aircraft maneuvers that one thirty is making um, don't appear to require nearly as much effort as the guy in the cockpit is really putting into it all. Okay, that that's that's to me is what really made this video interesting. The guy is he's he's talking. He's he's not he's not pushing. He's not pumping iron or anything like that. But he's he's focused. He's concentrating. He's got his speeds right. He's got his bank angles right. He's he's talking about what's coming up next and and you know disable that alarm and all this kind of stuff. And uh, um, it, it, the whole thing was just very 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 interesting from that standpoint. Meanwhile, you just see the airframe kind of going up and making a sharp turn and coming back down. You have no idea how much effort goes into that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That that that's what was I thought was the coolest part about it is the juxtaposition of what you see from the ground and 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 how much the the the, the captain is 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 working in the cockpit and to see him on the throttles and off the throttles and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hearing the altitude and airspeed callouts uh, because. One thing that I wish they could do in that video was put in what would be the hard barriers of the airspace box he's got to fly in. The other thing I'd like to see is uh, an attitude in an airspeed indicator. That's, oh. That would be cool. The attitude indicator alone would be a head turner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like to see that airspeed indicator get you know, well into the white arc. That's, that, that happened a couple of times. But Le Bourget sits in a fairly high-density part of Paris, uh, you know, housing-wise and all that. Uh, they enforce a fairly tight box on on the, the demonstrations, by and large. So, you know, the guy's not only got to watch his altitude and his airspeed and his, mm-hmm. and his turn point he's to, to, to put on the show, but he's also doing that to keep inside this, this 3D box that he's mm-hmm. inside and... If he goes outside of it and foobars it, they may not let him show off his C-130 the next day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Finally, David, uh, you seem to be upset about some FAA budget cuts or something like that. What's what's the... I don't know. Is this you? Oh, the contract tower cuts? Yeah, that one. Okay. You say, your headline here is, is there no success story that can't be screwed up by dot, dot, dot? 
who who screwed up the success? What first of all, what's the success story? Well, the success story is what everybody, a lot of people were skeptical about when it first got started years ago. And this is the contract control tower program that lets private contractors uh, staff for profit uh, FAA authorized control towers at airports where the FAA says the traffic doesn't hit the uh, number needed for them to staff it. Uh, very often, you know, there's a, a, a local contribution to making this happen, but uh, most of the money comes from the Fed. There are some of these towers that are wholly funded by the local airport people, but they're 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 minority, they're tiny number, and they wouldn't be affected by this. So there's a recommendation from in, in today's, you know, everything is a budget cut. Every problem is solvable by budget cut. So in order to meet some budget constraints, they're looking at closing down about 124 contract towers. Uh, it's not the end of the world for these airports, but there are some airports where it's some traffic levels sometimes a day in some parts of the year uh, that will miss out on the uh, little extra benefit of having a control tower operating and staffed by people that can help manage the flow in and out. Uh, I'd be interested in seeing if Oshkosh is running. Hmm. Um, are, are, they, are they targeting, are they especially talking about cutting contract control towers, or are they cutting full uh, That's all they're talking towers. about. Okay. They're, they're not talking about FAA towers. Hmm. Uh, okay. They're talking about the contract tower program. Yeah. Jeb, what do you think about this? Hmm. Well, I think it's a lot of blowing snow, or, or shall we say, Santorum, uh, for. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, that is well. That's a very complex joke, right there. <laughs> and definitely one, one, one for the the uh, the Adult Swim portion of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't even begin. First of all, that is not overtly a slam at the presidential candidate. All right, but it, it could be. But well, it could be. Sure. But it, it goes much goes much beyond that, and we're going to have to. I'm really glad you didn't say goes much deeper. <laughs> Anyways, Jeb, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what were we talking about? Con control towers. Uh <laughs> control towers, yeah. Uh, well, this is just so much Santorum from OMB. Um, they're, they're, okay, sure. Budget's tight. You know, uh, we, I don't want to get into federal budget discussions, but uh, uh, the punchline here is they, they're, they're tr trying to chip away what they think is, is the um, least – uh, uh, problem uh, will get the least opposition to, uh, to, from doing this, and it, you know it remains for the industry to to respond strongly and and try to beat this back. And, I, and all that's real well and good. Um, contract tower program. Uh, I don't know. Contract towers are are um, generally. Um, Staffed by you know fully fully qualified controllers, they're generally not paid as well as FAA controllers. So there's also generally you know, uh, not that good a service in my experience. Now maybe some of this has changed. Maybe I don't know a contract tower from an FAA tower when I go into it, but I, I can kind of sort of tell the difference occasionally. Um, that having been said, if these are truly low activity airports. Um, do we really need a control tower in there in the first place? Uh, I've seen control towers come in and really screw up the flow of various airports. Uh, Manassas is a great example. Yeah. Uh, Manassas, Virginia, where 
um, they had parallel uh, runways, and then they decided they needed to put in a tower. And everybody, you know, was making the parallels work. It was fun. It was great. And we could move hardware. We could move iron. And the tower has really um, – some things are better. Some things are a lot worse than it used to be. So I don't – you know, that experience um, at Manassas tells me that some airports really don't need a tower. Okay. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not sufficiently informed here to to know, you know, which airports might be on the bubble. But uh, if none of the, if 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 as this AOPA article correctly notes, um, um, these are uh, air, airports at which there is no um, scheduled commercial service. So if that's what you know, if that's what we're talking about, if we're talking about GA Airport, well, I mean, you know, they're not they're not going to yank it out of Van Nuys or or you know some of these other large activity, uh, heavy activity GA airports, which may or may not have uh, uh, non-federal control towers. I don't know, but if they're talking about you know, um, well, the, 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 like locally they've been talking about putting a, t- a control tower in it uh, at Venice, uh, Florida. And that's been, you know, on the FAA's list of peop- of airports that need a control tower. I don't think it needs a control. It might have needed a control tower five years ago. It doesn't need a control tower now. Um, um, there's probably other airports around here like okay, like that. My, my, um, so my, my I, 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 the whole thing, the whole thing deserves the whole thing deserves a lot more a lot more thought than than just you know oh, we're going to have to cut you know contract towers. Uh, there you go. A lot, there's it, a lot going on here. Yeah. That, that's, David, quickly that's finish real, up. That's really what rattled me, what, or, or lit me off, was looking at this strictly as a budget move without taking into account the impact of what they closed. That's, that's a false economy. So if you come in and say, well, we need to cut this many thousand, let's just cut this many contract towers, they're there for a reason, uh, even if they were – you know, contract towers, not regular FAA towers. So how about we say, let's cut things based on performance and, and need, and if well, we can come up with that yeah. amount of money that way, cool, and if not, let's find something else and move well, and on. We could, we could probably cut a few uh, headquarters positions in the bargain here. And, I would and wh- bet. And while we're at it, we still have, you know, this charting battle that's going on out here. The uh, the FAA has, has, has baited us for years with free charts available for the download and now all of a sudden they want to do the switch and start charging for it and and in fact not even make it available to the general public to individuals but only to entities that have signed an agreement with the FAA for the purchase or the acquisition and distribution of those charts that's a bigger deal to me and, and, agreed and for 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 if we're talking about budget savings um, yeah, I'll give up half a dozen uh, contract hours if we can keep the charting. Sign me up. Where do I go? Yeah. Well, and let's not forget that at this very moment, the FAA is saving the salary and benefits of an administrator. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Saving and, a couple and, dollars there. Yeah. And, you know, I'll take the job for a lot less money than he was getting paid. Yeah, well, okay. There's a joke there. Shout uh, outs. Let's not bid it down. Don't bid it down. Shout outs. What do we got here? Um, I, I want to take a couple minutes. This is not exactly a general aviation story, but it's very related to uh, to what we do on the web and, and the internet. And so I just want to take a couple minutes to talk about this. Um, we, from time to time, talk about um, uh, uh, government matters, um, legislation that's being considered, and uh, and we urge our listeners to uh, to take a stand and contact their uh, their representatives on these matters. I'd like to do a similar thing right now. There's a there's a pair of 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 uh, 
and you guys are much more familiar with the word, the te- the the you know, terminology and whatnot. So correct me if I'm I'm stumbling too badly here. But there's two bills that are currently working their way through the U.S. Congress, uh, one in the Senate and one in the House. Um, one is called the uh, SOPA, S-O-P-A. The uh, what's it called? The uh, let's see now here. I've got it here someplace. The Stop Online Piracy Act, and the other is called the Protect IP Act. And um, they're just a terribly bad idea. Um, they are in my view, uh, uh, bills that eg- that exist for the purposes of, of big, big traditional media in order to shut down uh, the web, basically. Um, it, it gives huge powers to uh, to uh, uh, these media companies and, and these other big traditional uh, old media companies, if you will, to, to shut down uh, websites uh, on a whim, almost. Uh, very little due process involved um, and, and very, very much overreaching um, even their stated intention, which is to theoretically stop piracy on the internet, um, and uh, these are bad laws. These 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 laws, if they were to take effect, would fundamentally change the way the internet works. Um, to give you an example, um, if these laws were to take effect, we would probably have to consider um, at least temporarily shutting down the UCAP forum and the UCAP wiki. Um, because because the 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 user contributions there the listener contributions there um, would be too dangerous for us to to continue at least until things stabilized and and maybe forever um, these laws are bad uh, I urge you to read a little bit more about these we're going to put a link in the uh, show notes um, to a couple of places where you can read more um, and in fact send your your uh, your message to your your representatives about this they're a bad idea they'll hurt the internet um, they'll hurt all of the conversation and all of the the information that's out there and uh, and and some say that the workarounds that would probably spring up in order to 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 uh, get past these limitations would in fact lower the overall security the internet. They're just just reason after reason why SOPA and Protect IP are bad ideas, and and I urge you to to learn a little bit more about this. And if you agree with me, or if you don't agree with me, contact your representatives and tell them what you think. Um, and uh, you know, there's that. You guys, I, I'm not sure how tuned in you guys are. I, on this I'm kind of I'm, stuff. I'm fairly aware of what you're talking about, and Jack's 100 percent spot on. Uh, this is something that would, in fact fundamentally alter uh, the way all of us use the internet uh, and it would do so in favor of uh, big Hollywood and, and uh, the RIAA and, and a bunch of other groups that have been perennial pains in the butt um, for um, the growth of the internet and for the free exchange of information um, Jacks, uh, I couldn't agree more and uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up thank you David you want to add anything there yeah, I followed the action uh, on the last session's bills that I- attempted to, to to extract the same kind of, uh, what do I want to say, control uh, over the Internet by, by businesses and the government. And uh, these new ones are actually worse. Uh, and it's all driven by... Uh, a mindset that says, okay, we have to be growing this much all the time. When we reach a certain limit, the only way we can grow more is by starting to clip away what other people have access to, and that would be us. So this wanting to monetize our very access to the Internet and put us in a pipeline that says, well, they'll get to judge whether we get to go to the site we want to go to or use the search engine we want to. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, but I'd like to con- quote my, 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 my hero, Bender the Robot. 
<laughs> bite my shiny metal beep. So they're called uh, SOPA SOPA, or the Stop Online Piracy Act, and that's the House version, I believe. And then the Senate bill is called the Protect IP Act. They're both sort of of a thing, and uh, we urge you to oppose both of them. And remember what Bo Diddley said. You can't judge the book by looking at the cover. And these really sweet and wonderful-sounding names are just that. They're covers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, uh, so uh, they did a good job tracking Santa Claus quickly. What was that all about? Oh, yeah. Uh, I picked this up from uh, AP uh, between uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's. But uh, the uh, Operation Santa Track, ho, ho, way to go, NORAD. Uh, they really accomplished something. They had Facebook contacts uh, following Santa and, and NORAD's tracking 999,000 of them. That's up about, oh, gee, many, almost 20%. Uh, Twitter followers, 89,000. Uh, and phone traffic, over 100,000 kids and not-so-old kids and old kids called up NORAD to keep tabs on where Santa was going on delivery night. Uh, I just think that's an extraordinarily great use of an entity that's there to protect us from bad guys and also lends a little seasonal cheer to a bunch of kids that need to know that, you know, Santa's in their zip code. So, Very cool. Very cool. Jeb, People any stayed up all night to do that, too. Jeb, you got anything? Uh, um, yeah, one real quick. Um, uh, DC pilots list again. Uh, discussion um, uh, inter- erupted this week about uh, the CIFRA, the special flight rules area surrounding Washington, D.C., and and um, got into a little bit of the history going back to uh, uh, the days after 9-11 and enhanced Class B and, and uh, the ADIS and all this kind of thing. And um, just wanted to give a shout-out to everybody who, who still has to put up with that crap. Um, no, you don't know, especially if you learned to fly since, since uh, 2001, um, no, you don't know what it used to be like. Um, no, you don't know what you've given up. Uh, but those of us who, who did live through that and, and continue to fly in that area for years, um, uh, and, and, and even those who continue to fly there now and, and, and grew up, had to grow up with it, um, you know, hats off to you for putting up with it and uh, keep up the good work and, and uh, don't forget to never squawk to 100. Um. Yes, absolutely. And that made me think of something. I completely forgot. Oh, boy, I'm glad you said this because I almost forgot. Um, I would have gotten to it eventually, but this is very, very cool. We got a Christmas present, the three of us. We did. We got a Christmas We're- present. We got a package um, uh, at the uh, UCAP post office box, and uh, I wasn't exactly expecting it. You know, so you're always kind of like, ooh, I don't know, a package. It's, it's like... Is it ticking? No. Well, that's it wasn't, fortunately. So I opened <laughs> it up. Um, I have in my hands three very attractive uh, uh, baseball or ball caps, you know, caps, hats. Oh, cool. All right. 
Um, and they and, all say you on the front. No, 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 no. That's something else. No, no. It says it says VKX Victor Kilo X Ray. Oh, very cool. Victor Kilo X Ray. Yeah. And then on, on the back, in uh, full, fully spelled out, it says Potomac Airfield. And uh, well, thank you, Dave. That's very thoughtful. Dave that's Wartofsky. really nice. Well, and I don't think Dave Wartofsky. Wartofsky well, now wait a minute. Is, now make sure we've got this right here because the letter that's included, and in fact, okay. I've heard from him by way of Twitter. Um, these are from Terry and. Colin Fletcher, um, who uh, are okay. listeners apparently. Um, okay. Um, now I think that probably the hats are are are, are you know that's the, is that a reference the, the name you mentioned Jeb is that the, the Dave Wartowski is the owner manager at at uh, the airfield. Potomac. Let me see what the the note here says. Uh, it says to the UCAP gang, greetings from inside the DC freeze. Uh, uh, just a quick note to say how much my son and I enjoy your show. We both subscribe via iTunes and look forward to each episode. I'm a student flying at both Potomac Airfield and Manassas, and hope to schedule a check ride in January to raise a little extra flight lesson cash. I made the enclosed. Let's see now. To raise a little extra flight lesson cash, I made the enclosed caps. So apparently he manufactured the caps and is selling them to uh, to locals up there. Uh, wear them with pride. Hope you all have, all have a great 2012. Fly safe. Oh, Tony Fletcher and, and Colin. Very and so, cool. Thank you and, very much, Tony. And, and, and we, did, we forgot to get you anything. Damn. Um, yeah, that's really nice, man. Thanks. The letterhead yeah. alone, I'll send you guys a photograph. I'll bring it down, obviously, when I come down. But I'll send you a photo. The letterhead is very cool, all by itself. It's uh, it shows a a a, a, a Connie, a constellation, uh, flying uh, over the, a logo that says flyfreezetees dot com. What is freezetees dot com? Hang on, we have to go over there. Hang on. Freezetees is F R Z T F R. FRZ is the flight restricted zone. Yeah, FRZ TE, two E's. FRZ TEES dot com. Freeze Tees. Oh, there's a picture of one of the hats. Freeze Tees. Freeze Tees dot com. I don't know what the T's stands for. Like, probably as in like t shirts. I don't know. Okay, duh. So, uh,. He's got a Taylorcraft, uh, what is this, a shirt, I would imagine. All right. And then the VKX shirts, the hats, rather, that I have in my hands. There's a picture cool. of one of them right there. So uh, these are very cool. Yeah. Anyways, oh, very okay. Very cool. Very, very cool. And uh, yeah, thank uh, you very much. Uh, David, I'll mail one of these to you. And Jeb, I'll bring one down to you when I come down next cool. week. So thank you to, oh, very cool. uh, to Tony and Colin. Very, very cool. Where were we here? Oh, my goodness. We're just so running so long here. Let's see now. Uh, uh, there was one more uh, shout out, wasn't there? What was it here? Uh, uh, oh yeah, the Barefoot Bandit got sentenced. I don't know. This is just sort of closing the. Well, I don't know if we're closing the loop. Yeah, let it go. Following up here, uh, we've spoken in the past about the Barefoot Bandit, the kid who managed to steal a whole bunch of airplanes and then crashed them all successfully. If you can call a crash successful, didn't kill himself. Um, who then got busted and uh, and was in jail and now has been apparently sentenced to seven years in jail for his uh, his, his his adventures. So, anyways, that's all. Anything else? No? Time to stick a fork in this one? All right, here we go. These are the possibles. We've got uh, episode titles. Fugly, uh, F Troop. Uh, earlier in the episode, David suggested that hard to find and unique were not the same thing, which I don't know. Um, Monaural and bake your noodle. I don't know. <laughs> Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com, uh, JEBurnside.com, uh, occasionally on AEA.net, and occasionally on uh, 
avweb.com and um uh i have no affiliation uh with that other uh um never mind I <laughs> and Dave Higdon and Dave Higdon is uh, an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, avbuyer dot com, uh, aea dot net. Uh, that aviation safety URL that just went blasting by. I show up there sometimes too, uh, or you know, throw a rocket Google, do a Dave Higdon search, and read through the, some of the history and mystery. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, and the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. We are also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. And also, don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation movies list, the new ratings webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, you were going to say something? Stop time. Go fly. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye and Happy New Year. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMFFM. And don't you eat that yellow snow. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.